0: fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Habner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the here ball. Final try and it's ready for the touchdown. What a great second. Here oh, here comes the Oh, here comes the yeah. Wolfpack, kidding. what is going on? It is your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street, here live for another week five fantasy football recap, the Market Report, where we go through all your risers, fallers waiver wire and injuries that you need to know from a ridiculous week five one of the biggest scoring weeks I think we've ever seen what a bonanza of points hopefully you had the positive end and we're on the receiving end of those it was an insane week five we're here to capture all of it of course you know we can only fit six things into each category of the risers fallers waiver wires and penny stocks so if you want more Download the app or bookmark rotostreetjournal.com slash stockwatch. And of course, if you're tuning in to the podcast, the Fantasy Fullback Dive, where we pave your path to 2019 titles, you can find this live show on Facebook, 7 o'clock on Mondays, where you can get any questions answered, interact with the Wolfpack Live. It makes it that much better. Welcome Austin Tunes, Giuseppe. I love it all. I know. You see that name, Giuseppe, DJ Chark, number two on here. Can't wait to talk about him. But we're going to lead off the risers first here with Aaron Jones. My good God, what a game. 107 yards and 4 TDs on the ground, 19 carries. Also then racking up 75 yards through the air on a team-high 7 catches, team-high 8 targets. What a ridiculous 182 82 total yard, seven TD, or 4 TD day, over 40 fantasy points in nearly any type of scoring format that you do. Aaron Jones was an absolute monster. And there's a few takeaways that I loved about this in particular. One was Aaron Rodgers loved it. He was all about Aaron Jones killing it. He said after the game, I'm now about wins. I have all the stats I'd ever need, and if this is how we're going to get it done, I'm 100% on board. So that's huge. And then Brian Balaga saying, you know, there's definitely an every down back here. I know there's questions because of his size and his injury history, but we know this guy can be in every single down back. Matt LaFleur praising him, saying we want to be physical, and Jones helped us set that up. So everybody's all in this guy's corner. Yes, I get the fact that Jamal Williams wasn't there, and that's one of the biggest, you know, question marks is what is his role when Williams is there? He got out carried by Williams just two weeks ago, but you have to imagine what the success this team had without their number one wide receiver, Devontae Adams. It was clear cut. Aaron Jones, you're our playmaker. Go out and get it for us, and he got the job done in flying colors. It was an insane effort from this guy, and you got to feel better about him moving forward. You can't, I mean, LaFleur, yeah, we've seen sketchy workloads in the past, and we've even seen it already. This year, but you got to imagine moving forward, Jones is locked into that RB1, you know, 10, you know, at least. 15 to 20 carries almost every single week. And this was a tough Dallas Cowboys defense too. When he gets easier matchups like Detroit this week, the fifth most points to running backs, who even knows what this guy could do. But an insane effort. I would not be selling high as I thought about a few weeks ago. He now leads the league with eight touchdowns. Just going to be a rushing touchdown machine in this offense. That's how Gurley operated in that Lafleur style scheme uh, coming over from the McVeigh system. The zone blocking scheme so effective from like six, seven yards out on the goal. On. I love the commitment to the run. A week after they avoided the run down close that's exactly what I want to see and his touchdown upside remains sky high. Uh, so again as you guys are tuning in, any questions you guys have, get them on in. Great to see some usual fans here. It would be great to hit more people so if you're willing to share out to your own feed or to groups you know, uh, it means the world to us and every like and everything helps us get even more found. So thank you guys for coming every Monday. I appreciate that and if you're willing to share it with more people is even better. Now, Giuseppe, this one's going to hurt, and I apologize in advance already for this one. DJ Chark, I uh, said to bench him for DJ Moore to uh, our guy Giuseppe here, and he only responded, DJ Chark, Nato here. Eight catches on 11 targets, 164 yards, and not one, but two scores. My good God, what a monstrous performance from DJ Chark. Uh, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. There, uh, what this guy has been doing with Gardner Minshew. In fact, last week he had a touchdown, an 18-yard touchdown called back, and otherwise he would have scored literally every single week. He'd actually be the number two fantasy wide receiver had that touchdown stood. But as it is right now, he's the wide receiver five. This guy is ridiculous, like tripling up what you know Julio Jones and De- DeAndre Hopkins are doing right now. And you know, is it sustainable? At this point, how could you doubt it? I mean, the guy is six foot four. 4-3-4-40, 4-3-4-40, a ninety-six percentile uh, spark score. So the athleticism, 40-inch vertical, has always been there. The freakish tools, and he is just putting them on display each and every week with body contorting catches and leaping grabs over defenders and going into the red zone and making humongous plays. He is just all over the place, but even more so, it's clear-cut. Gardner Minshew loves this guy. He's the one that he goes to if anything's breaking down. He's the one he goes to at every point. Uh, of the game at every level of the field. is a clear-cut number one wide receiver situation, whereas we thought it might be, you know, what if it's DeeDee Westbrook? What if it's Chris Conley? They're all just going to kind of eat each other's cheese. No, this is the DJ Chark show, and if you own him, you've got to lock him in every single week. A high-end wide receiver too now, and I know it's a pretty big leap from where I've been saying, but there's no signs of regression. Uh, there's no question at this point you have to have Chark in almost every single lineup. Another wide receiver, very impressive season coming from this guy. Uh, and that's Cortland Sutton for the Broncos. What another big week for this guy. He's now been over 12 fantasy points in all but one week, fresh off a of four-catch 92-yard, one TD day, and so much of the damage, and so much of what's impressive about it is it's after the catch. He's breaking tackles. He's bowling through defenders. Uh, he's ripping through them. That 70-yard touchdown, all that was on display. Flacco likes this guy quite a bit. I know Sanders is the de facto number one there, but he might even get traded. And Whereas last year, when Sanders was removed, Sutton just you know faded. Couldn't handle that number one coverage. I really think this year we're seeing the tools, that big body, those yak skills come into life. This guy's the wider Receiver nine in fantasy right now. Uh, you gotta have him pretty much locked in the lineups, just like Chark. It's it's pretty clear that every single week you can expect some value to come from Sutton. I love him at this point. And if you know, if you have trade questions coming up about Sutton or anyone else, let me know. I'd be happy to answer them. But I think this guy is absolutely the real deal, Giuseppe. I totally get it. Never benching him again in terms of DJ Chark. Absolutely. Trying to get him to trade Mac for Chark. That's a really tricky one, Austin, because I do think Chark. Might be a top 15 guy wide receiver rest of the season. But Marlon Mack, fourth in the league in rushing yardage right now. And that's been the engine of this offense. That's how they beat teams like the Chiefs this week, and They take the ball out of their hand. That offensive line is so monstrous that it doesn't matter that it's Brissett behind center. You can stack the box and Quinton Nelson and that whole just mauling bunch of road grinders is going to open up paving these massive paths for Marlon Mack or whoever's back there. I know he has a sketchy injury history, so I could see selling him. If you definitely needed a wide receiver uh, and you had a ton of running back depth, then maybe I would make that move, Austin. But ultimately, I think I have Mack just a little bit higher on my season-long big board. But it's just kind of crazy that Chark could even be in that conversation at this point. Uh, Moving on now to an explosion of all explosion, Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller. Holy hell, combining for 98.44 fantasy points, Hopefully you stacked those two in DraftKings. If you had them in your league, congratulations on the win, because those two alone could have probably beaten a handful of teams in your league. Ridiculous. 14 catches on 16 targets for Fuller, 217 yards and 3 TDs. 3 TDs, yep. Including one late in the game that just seemed completely meaningless, but the guy was a force running wide open at will against the Falcons, and Watson himself was masterful. 28 of 33. Almost perfect in terms of Uh, completion percentage 426 yards and five scores in this win. Absolutely insane. Plus 47 yards on the ground, which is another reason why Watson is so deadly. But what does this mean moving forward? Because just last week I had these guys on my fallers, right? I mean, they've been either 10 points or Watson getting 46 fantasy points. Where is the balance? How can we know if we can trust this guy? Well, of course, this week he was a must start against a Falcons defense, pathetic Falcons defense. But the real key that really helped him out this week is if if it's a bad pass rush and Watson has time to kind of sit back there and just dissect you, he's got as strong as an arm as anybody. If Fuller has the time to burn deep like he did this week, he can get by anyone with four-two speed. Insanity. So when he's not just under constant duress, Watson, when he can pick you apart. It's over. It's night night. The guy is going to put up 30 plus fantasy points. And especially if the team on the other side can put up points and answer, which the Falcons, as inept as they are all over the place right now, they can still put up points with the best of them. Moving forward, you got Kansas City next week. So you got to feel great about Watson. Indianapolis the next week. Not a tough matchup. The 15th most points to quarterbacks. Then Oakland, another, you know, perfect type of lineup in which their pass rush is minimal right now. Uh, the defense is not great at all, but they can put up some points on offense. And then Jacksonville, who's looking solid on offense under Minshew Mania. We just talked about him and DJ Chark. Uh, They've given up the 13th most points to quarterbacks. So that's four weeks in a row where you have you know top 15 matchups for Watson, and they line up pretty well with what he needs, which is you know protection, time in the pocket. Only the, the Jaguars really present as a ferocious pass rush on that list. And even then, they're nothing special. So at this point, feel confident in these next four weeks you can roll the guy out. It gets a little bit trickier after their bye week, which comes that next week. Uh, But from here on out, let him build his value. Maybe you can sell high and whatnot after that point. But you got to love Deshaun Watson. you got to love Will Fuller moving forward. An unbelievable effort from these guys. Now, another name which is kind of surprising to have on your risers list after Melvin Gordon returns is Austin Eckler. But the guy remained a key passing game cog, preserving his fantasy value, which I think is going to continue throughout the rest of the season. He actually, in fact, sets a franchise record with 15 catches on 16 targets, 86 receiving yards. Just had you know a measly seven yards on the ground, but it didn't matter. The guy was a PPR maestro, an absolute force. That it you know they had nobody else to go to. Every single third down, it was Eckler. Every single first down when they're playing from behind, it was. Was Eckler, and with Melvin Gordon being such a quality wide receiving back, a pass catcher right there. Ultimately, this is a little bit of a surprise that Eckler would dominate those snaps and dominate those touches to such a ridiculous degree that he's setting records right now. So you gotta feel good about Eckler moving forward. I get that Melvin Gorn shaking off Rust, easing in, you know, Anthony Lynn said that's gonna be part of the plan, but ultimately Eckler shining the way he is and so much built-up chemistry with Philly Rivers at this point. You have to feel better about him moving forward if you were an owner. At first I was thinking, you know, he's gonna slide right back into his handcuff with slight benefit. Its role only you know in the right matchups can you use him? I think he could end up being an every week type of flex for you moving forward. The game flow was perfect for him. They were down to the Broncos. Pretty much every single step of the way, but the Broncos also suck. So if they're going to go down to him, ultimately Austin Eckler uh, is going to find himself in more positive scripts. And last but not least, before I get to some of your questions and comments, and then we go to the, the fallers here. Last rise I got to mention though, and there again, so many more on the website. I have 18 of them listed. We'll see how many stock watches the Roto Street Boys actually churn out here. And if you're interested in writing, by all means, reach out and let me know because we need some people to churn out these stock watches with us. Nonetheless, Josh Jacobs, a true as true can be fantasy workhorse against the Chicago Bears defense, nonetheless. He gallops all over them. 26 carries, 123 yards, and two scores, with the Raiders going over the Bears in shocking fashion in London. And obviously, Jacobs, an enormous part of that. Absolutely fantastic throughout the day. Was bowling through defenders, was evading them with jukes, was knifing through tight spaces, was getting outside when he's in space. Uh, The receiving usage, you know, three catches, 20 yards, was solid. But he's still mixed in with DeAndre Washington, Jalen Richard, they were a little more active than you'd like to see. Washington also stole a touchdown. So this day could have been even bigger. But ultimately, if he's going to be touching the ball nearly 30 times against one of the hardest nosed defenses in the league, uh, you got to imagine good things are on the horizon for this guy. Any owners that took Jacobs instead of Montgomery as their number one running back hopefully didn't listen to us, Uh, will be feeling great about this type of effort. I know he's been disappearing a little bit lately, but after this type of win against that type of team, the Bears, and that type of effort against that solid type of defense... Josh Jacobs has to be getting fed much more often. He's actually fifth in the league, shockingly, in rushing yardage right now. And he's getting the Packers, who have been just decimated by guys like Philip Lindsay and Jordan Howard for 30-point days. So I imagine, and that's going to be in week seven. He's on a bye this coming week. But coming off that bye, Josh Jacobs, you got to feel great about being a low-end RB1, especially in matchups like that against the Packers. What a great effort. Let's get to your guys' questions. I'll let you preview the fallers that will be coming up momentarily, but I want to answer your questions between now and them. So we got Jeremiah Moore. Welcome to the show. How many chairs did you carry this week, my man? At Sunday service, you were able to hit like you know six per arm. I love it, man. Let me know how your Sunday went. I hopefully everything worked out for you. Robert Moreno asking, drafted Sutton late, starting him every week from now on. I just wish Hopkins would perform like he's supposed to. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, you see Julio Hopkins on on the list here. Do you buy low? Do you sell while they still have name value? What do we make of them? We're going to get to that in a little bit, uh, Robert. So hopefully you can stick with us. Uh, Austin saying Hopkins will open up with Fuller showing up to play at you're kind of stealing my point here, Austin. Totally. Uh, and I love the interaction between each other. Is Howard okay to drop now? OJ, of course, Jeremiah, we're going to cover that in a couple, as you see on the menu. Uh, but yes, I, I think he could totally be draftable. And, and I love what's going on, Austin, responding to people and all that good stuff. Get some interaction going with each other. Keep the questions coming live. Uh, it makes it so much more fun of a broadcast when you guys chat with each other, but also get me some questions that I can try to, to you know do my best and give you the right information here. Uh, Let's move into the fallers, though. After I raved about Austin Eckler, pretty natural to suggest a fall for Melvin Gordon. Now, was he just being eased in, or was this a lesser role? Getting 12 carries, only 31 yards, though, hauling in you know four of his six targets for another seven yards. Just a pathetic, inefficient out, uh, outburst here. Looking kind of like Le'Veon Bell. Remember a couple seasons ago where he held out and then he, you know, finally came back for Week One and was sluggish those first three weeks. I imagine Gordon is going to need a couple of weeks here to shake off the rust to fully get his game legs under him, which is why Eckler remains such a key cog in this. But with Eckler thriving the way he has been, I don't. He's not going to just disappear. And that was very evident again, setting the franchise record with 15 catches. Gordon's been such an immense value in fantasy because he had that three down workhorse role? That seems like it's a severe question now. Yes, he can get it done and they'll use him on early down screens and things like that, but when it's third and long, when it's a passing game situation, it's going to be Austin Eckler. Two-minute drills late in the game. Gordon was nowhere to be seen. I don't think that's going to change because Eckler has played so dynamite. Why would they go against that right now? Anthony Lynn himself said, this is going to be more of a 50-50 split. If I don't have to ride Gordon on the ground, why would I? And Austin Eckler has played so well. Why would we go away from him. So ultimately Gordon becomes a much bigger risk. Whereas I had him like a top 12 rest of season overall guy. You're going to have to bump him down, whereas Eckler's going to have to rise and those two will meet somewhere more in the middle. If I had my choice between the two, I still think I ride the horse, Melvin Gordon, but it's going to be a lot closer than I originally estimated. And uh, Guys that were you know asking, do I trade Gordon for Gurley or you know things like that? Hopefully he pulled the trigger. I moved Gordon while well, his values, name value was still so high, because so I don't think this is going to shake out too to welcome the rest of the season. Moving on, not much to say other than the fact that Stefan dig sucks. The squeaky wheel complains and whines and doesn't show up for practice and diva this, diva that. Let me get some targets, please. Fucking pathetic effort from this loser again. Three catches for 44 pathetic scoreless yards. After just throwing a hissy fit, being an awful teammate. What a loser this guy is. And you know, even more concerningly, opposite him, Adam Thielen dominates. You know, 150 or so yards, two TDs. Was the clear-cut number one guy there as he's been all season. And we wrote early in the preseason. You know, what are the key takeaways of Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski taking over? It's going to be a Lower aerial pie, not enough, you know, volume here to feed all the guys, all the big mouths they have there. Which one was it gonna be? Was it gonna be Thielen? Was it gonna be Diggs? And it's clear cut at this point. Diggs is the one taking the second, you know, back seat. I love that Zimmer didn't cave and like you know enforce that Diggs got the ball here after he acted like an asshole to his teams. And I just don't think this is gonna get better ever. If he can't get it done against the Giants, you know, second most points to wide receivers after whining all week. When is he gonna get it done? The schedule's been soft all year and the guy continues to suck. It's only gonna get harder for the rest of season. You've got to feel horrible about Stephon Diggs, one of the biggest busts of the draft, and I do not see this turning around. So if anyone still believes in him, if you can sell him because of the name, then by all means, try to package him up in a deal and get rid of him ASAP. We already had a question coming in from Jeremiah about OJ Howard. What a complete fantasy trash bag he has been all year. And I do think it's time to send him to the dumpster. Now, it's an awful position the tight end is. So ultimately, you know, who are you cutting him for? Who is available in your league? That's going to play a part in this. But if your guy like Herndon is out there, and we don't know what he's going to do, but it's got to be more than one fucking target. OJ Howard, thanks a lot for that. Really great game. Appreciate the effort. Uh, you know, maybe a guy like Gerald Everett, a whopping, what, 11 targets and 160 yards or whatever the hell he pulled off this week. We're going to talk about those two when we get to the waiver wire section. But there are some actually intriguing tight ends out there, whereas O.J. Howard, as athletic as he is, as vertical as this offense is, it's just not clicking. And Bruce Arians has never used a tight end historically. We thought he was going to have the athleticism to kind of change that. And, it, you know, there's Rob Housler. It was Jermaine Gresham. Those two suck. And that's why Bruce Arians never used a tight end. But ultimately, you know, despite O.J. Howard's great track record these last couple years in Dirt Cutter's scheme, the fact that he averaged 16.6 yards per catch, all these great signs that he'd be a great fit for this offense, it just isn't happening. Bruce Arians isn't calling his number. James, How- uh, James Woodson isn't looking his way at all. If there's a silver lining of all after this week against Carolina, they have a bye. So you're looking at two more just crap weeks. But then you're looking at you know three straight bottom six matchups, and Howard's schedule has been shockingly quite difficult against the tight end, but he gets Tennessee giving up the fourth most points, Seattle giving up the sixth, and then Arizona, as we all know, giving up the most points, so there is a little bit of a silver lining if he gets cut in your league and you're desperate at tight end, and you can kind of hold on these next two useless weeks. Those three weeks after could be, you know, those those three explosion weeks, they're going to be the three easiest matchups he's faced by a long shot this year, so there is a little bit of a silver lining, but ultimately, if you want to cut him and and try out you know Gerald Everett for a you know a ride or go for the Herndon experience. I totally endorse it. Uh, the guy's been just a complete bag of shit, and I don't see it changing. To be honest, another bag of shit who's sucking and you could consider cutting here. Curtis Samuel, you know fantasy darling of the preseason, MVP, uncoverable. And nobody can run with this guy. He's making highlight play after highlight play. Good thing he's shown up for the regular season. Another pathetic, useless dud. Three catches on six targets. A whopping 19 yards. Woo! And he got a nice two carries. 25 yards. Wonderful, Samuel. Thanks for the great day. I appreciate it. And that's against a banged-up Jaguars secondary. He was matched up with their second cornerback all day, who had just given up over 120 yards and two TDs. And Samuel still didn't get it done. He's 61st in the league in yards with 226. He's been under six fantasy points. in back-to-back weeks. Is there any reason to hang on to this guy? Well, I mean, he gets Tampa Bay this week, and we see them just routinely get destroyed. And then after the bye week, it's, it's a lot of smooth sailing, too. Three, you know eh matchups you know T- San Fran Tennessee Green Bay they've all had pretty decent defenses but then you got Atlanta the most points New Orleans the sixth most points Washington the most uh, third most points and then Atlanta again uh, the most points so that's four straight cake matchups down the, the, the radar here but you have to wait four games to get there a great matchup again against Tampa Bay but after the bi-weekly if you wanted to cut this guy I wouldn't hate it but I think you, you know most owners should try to exercise some patience the guy was you know he still is very explosive. He ended last year on a tear with you know seven touchdowns on like 20 catches or something like that. He could do the same thing again. So as annoying as he's been, the schedule is about to soften up big time on this guy. I would I would still hold him, but man, it's getting frustrating. He's got to be on your bench at this point. A couple other bigger names that have been complete assholes this year so far. That's kind of the theme of this faller section here. Is Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins Jones Getting the the Houston secondary, giving up the second-most points to wide receivers. How does he respond? Three catches and 42 scoreless yards. Thanks, Julio. So glad I spent a first-rounder on you, you complete moron. Awful stuff. But what can you do? I mean, you know, I really personally think this is the ultimate style buy low. Matt Ryan's next five matchups come against pathetic teams, all bottom seven against the pass, giving up the seventh-most points to quarterbacks. And, of course, that means Julio's schedule is just as soft. I think this thing, you know, the levy breaks, and Julio makes a fantastic buy low if his owner's getting frustrated. Don't forget, he had like 20-point days and back-to-back weeks to begin the season. So yeah, he's disappeared. Yeah, you know, it's become the Austin Hooper show somehow in Atlanta, but don't, you know, overreact. Ultimately, who I'd rather have, though, is DeAndre Hopkins, and I get he's a little bit quiet, seven catches, 88 yards, meh, not a Hopkins day by any means. But ultimately, with Will Fuller showing so well this week, with Watson finally re-emerging, I imagine that you know the tension's going to kind of shift a little bit. You can't just double Hopkins the way that Fuller was just playing, and ultimately the, the big things are coming. I think if any of those two, between Julio and Hopkins, is bound to explode, to me it's Hopkins. Gets Kansas City next week, a team he has routinely destroyed for multiple touchdowns. Then Indy, Oakland, you know, Jacksonville getting bodied up by wide receivers. Baltimore giving up the 10th most points. Then Indy again. So he's got a nice slate coming as well. Uh, and of the guys. I really think he's the one that's just going to pan out and go on a huge tear rest of season. So I'd buy low on both guys, but if I had my choice between them, it would definitely be Hopkins. Last but not least on the followers list, Malcolm Brown. And the reason I put this guy on there, and there's other followers again, go to the app, go to the website. We have more for you guys to see. But I put Malcolm Brown on here uh, as a a swallow your fab pride and cut him. And when I say fab, it's the guys that, you know, if you burn that one overall waiver wire pick on him or you spent 30 bucks like I did on this guy – it's so tough to cut them because you've invested so much and you you feel like oh I blew it and I, I can't cut him now because I put all this money into him. But all you're doing is just letting the the limb bleed and you're not cutting it off when you when you need to. Is burning a roster spot for just no reason at this point because he has no more standalone value. Originally it seemed like one of the ultimate handcuffs with benefits after week one, he gets five red zone carries, pounds him in for two scores. Seemed like he was locked into that goal line role. Ian Rappaport himself said that's gonna be the case all season long. But since then, he's disappeared. He has four red zone carries in the last four games for exactly zero TDs, whereas Gurley, meanwhile, the script has flipped for him. After having zero in Week 1, he now has racked up 12 carries in the red zone, scoring five touchdowns on them, and he's just clearly more efficient and the better play at the stripe. So ultimately, with that goal line roll gone, you're getting nothing out of Malcolm Brown except handcuff value. Granted, he is one of the best handcuffs in the league because this offense is unbelievable. The zone blocking scheme is still Still firing on all cylinders, and if Gurley goes down with that arthritis in the knee, you could have yourself a steal in Malcolm Brown. So if you ha- if you know you can afford the roster spot and you don't need a Gerald Everett or you don't need a Herndon or, or tight end woes, and you can afford to bite that, especially if you're not Gurley too, then you can hang on to the guy. There's no doubt about it. But ultimately, if you you need that roster spot, you have the blessing to cut Malcolm Brown. No real reason, in my opinion to hang on to him alright what else do we got Austin saying he loves this fucking show I appreciate that man thanks for coming in and tuning on I love you interacting every week it's the best Robert I hope so I'm going to be 3-2 and two, but could be 5-0 and oh if D-Hop did what is expected of him it's frustrating but I really do think you hold there he's going to get it together I have Kelsey also so she gone <laughs> uh, Kyle Thunenberg I have Julio and Hopkins am I going to be okay seems like they never show up on the same day and neither one's really shown up yet but you gotta f- feel okay about those two tunes I really think they'll both get it together uh, and make a nice stretch run the schedule certainly has softened up for these next five or six weeks that I think those guys are going to start churning it out for you and doing what you expected when you took them with first and second rounders Moving on to probably the most actionable pieces of advice here, and that's the waiver wire. Uh, and there's some interesting names, and they're available most of these guys in you know 90% or more leagues. Because I wanted to make sure to pick guys that are actually going to be out there for you. Now the first one isn't out there as nearly as much, but he's only 29% owned, and that's Chris Herndon. And I think his fantasy time has finally arrived. Finally off of his suspension, uh, this guy is an athletic freak that could be unleashed right now at one of the thinnest positions in there. Just just last year, he tied for the rookie lead in touchdowns with four. He averaged 8.1 fantasy points per game over his last 14 games played. He, he was a non-factor, not even on the field those first two, but then over the last 14, a solid eight points per game. That's, you know, you think of your tight end. Most weeks, you're either getting one point or like 10 because you get a touchdown. It's just that boomer bust thing. But Herndon had a nice chemistry, nice rapport going with Sam Darnold. The guy is 6'4". He has good leaping ability. He uses his frame very well. He had almost 20% of Darnold's red zone three Rose went his way, and now he gets Adam Gase. This guy schemed up back-to-back 12 touchdown seasons for Julius Thomas. He labeled... Chris Herndon, a unicorn, because of how great he is, both as a blocker and as a pass catcher, called him an every-down player. Someone you don't have to take off the field because he thrives in every area of the game. And that was the case this preseason. He played every single one of Sam Darnold's snap. Called in a nice 32-yard bomb right over the the bread basket. Went right to him. Uh, you know, I get there's a lot of most to feed between him and Anderson, uh, and obviously Jamison Crowder, our target leader, Le'Veon Bell. So there's a lot to feed there, and the the passing game has been a abysmal the the lowest in the league but that's with Sam Darnold out so I'm not judging it I'm going to buy low on all my jets right now and you can stash Herndon I would love to buy low on guys like Le'Veon Bell, Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder I've seen on a lot of waiver wires all names I would check for get the price gauge on because it's all signs point to Sam Darnold being back and I think this offense does turn it around they have a great schedule moving forward and Herndon's going to be one of the guys leading the charge there I absolutely love him but another tight end that I might like even more just because we're actually seeing him this year and we're seeing him thrive. That's Gerald Everett uh, going back-to-back humongous games, has 19 targets over his last two. First, it was a, a five catch on eight targets, 44 yard, one TD day against the Bucks. He follows it up with an even more impressive Thursday Night Football showing: seven catches for 136 yards on 11 targets, a whopping 17.1 fantasy points. Uh, and, and what I really love is the usage there. The guy is an athletic freak. You know, you look at him catching the ball. and you're like, Is that a big wide receiver? Is that a tight end? Who is this guy? And that was the scouting report coming out on him that he played more like a big wide receiver than anything else. Explosive in and out of his. Brain. Explosive after the catch, and we're seeing that he's become that middle of the field, just dominant weapon for Jared Goff between him and Cooper Cup. You got all these weapons around him with Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, uh, and obviously Cooper Cup again. Defenses can't key on him, and you put a linebacker on him, he's running right by him. You put the safety on him, he's bodying him up. It's that ultimate mismatch, and they're finally using him to perfection. I think it's going to continue the way he's dominating right now. I uh, was the second on the team in targets this week, and even in crunch time. During that two-minute drill, it was Everett who saw four targets of Jared Goff's six throws during that drive. So you know, Goff's relying on him. Goff really likes him. He's got a big body for the red zone too. Higby's a, a distant, distant second at this point, whereas it was a committee when you never knew who was going to be. Uh, McVay raved about this guy in the preseason, and you can now totally see why. Gerald Everett, if you're having tight end woes, both him and Herndon would be mustaches in my opinion. I'd be throwing you know 20% of my budget to get both of these guys right now I don't think it's a fluke. I don't think it's a flash in the pan. Between those two guys, if you stash them both, I think you're going to get yourself at least one top 10 or so tight end for the rest of the season. And that's obviously insanely valuable at the league's thinnest position. Beyond that, the waiver wire is pretty barren this week, but you got to take a look at some upside handcuffs. And of course, handcuff meaning the backup running backs to guys. If they go down, these are your insurance policies. One of them that you must know of is Chase Edmonds. That's the backup to David Johnson. He's only 3% owned. And right now, David Johnson has a back issue flaring up on him. Uh, who knows how long that will last? He played through it on Sunday, so I imagine he's going to be able to play through it again. But you never know. You know. When the adrenaline's rushing, maybe that's what helped him get through it, and then if the rest of the week it just doesn't heal up properly, Chase Edmonds could be looking at a start. And he looked really good in the limited time. He saw 8 carries, 68 yards, and a score. Also had another 3 receptions for 18 yards. And we've seen David Johnson just churning 150 total yard days out like they're candy because the usage is so high, especially as a wide receiver. And Chase Edmonds would be looking at that every down, you know, pass high pass game volume, high carry volume that we've been coming accustomed to with David Johnson. So as a 20-plus touch guy potential if David Johnson's out or if he ever does end up missing time. Edmonds would step right in in an offense that seems like it's picking up the pace quite a bit lately. I would love this guy against Atlanta this week if David Johnson's out uh, because they've notoriously bled running back receptions. So give Chase Edmonds a look first, and if not him, uh, a guy that likes stashing even more, even though Edmonds might have more this week usability, a guy that makes an even better stash would be Alex Madison. Only 22% owned, but if you don't know who who he is, the backup to Dalvin Cook, probably the most valuable backup in the game right now because of how high volume and how efficient that zone blocking scheme is. They're averaging the fifth most rushing attempts per game with almost 30. Uh, they're averaging the third most r- rushing yards uh, per carry. They're you know the most rushing touchdowns in the league, tied for the, the lead there, um, and they're only trailing the, the Ravens, Colts, and Seahawks in total attempts, so a very high volume rushing attack, that zone blocking scheme of Gary Kubiak has. Has been dominant this year. We've seen him make monster seasons out of nobody's. No wonder Dalvin Cook's gonna probably run for 2K. But if he gets hurt, Madison's looked fantastic in his limited action. This week was another reminder seven carries for 52 yards, a nice clip for him. Uh, but Cook obviously is the clear cut focal point. This is only if the injury imp strikes. But that's happened a lot to Dalvin Cook. If you own Cook, you better own Madison. And if his owner doesn't own Madison, make him pay and pick this guy up. Because if Cook goes down, Madison would be instantly a top 10 running back moving forward. So double check your waiver wire. That is a roster spot worth burning all year, even if Cook doesn't go down, just on the sheer upside of the fact that Alex Madison would dominate in that role. Couple other guys to look for. Couple wide receivers here. If you're needy at that position, the first area I look is Preston Williams. He's seen 19 targets over these last two weeks. He is Josh Rosen's boy. We saw that all preseason. He peppered Preston Williams, uh, and he hasn't done anything insane with all that volume. He's you know right around seven, eight fantasy points each week. But ultimately, that breakout could be coming. Three of his next four matchups come against bottom seven pass defenses. Uh, He's got the big body. We saw those red zone body contorting skills all preseason. got the the deep speed if Rosen could ever uncork it the right way. He's got that complete wide receiver package. Uh, I know it's one of the shittiest teams in the league, but that sometimes plays in the favor of wide receivers if their team is playing from behind. They just have to keep chucking and chucking and chucking. I think you know, starting this week against Washington, he's got a great slate of games. The same goes for Devontae Parker, a little more highly owned, not quite as highly targeted, but could also be a great touchdown threat each and every week. So check out for those Dolphins wide receivers, uh, especially Preston Williams and especially Devontae Parker moving forward on your way of life if you need him. I don't know who the fuck this guy is, but uh, something named Pringle just popped out of nowhere some fucking sewer, who knows, and just balled out over 100 yards on six catches, led the team with nine targets in terms of wide receivers, and gets a score. And a lot of this damage coming with Watkins getting banged up. Now, you never know with Watkins. We're going to break down injuries in a little bit. But that guy is a historically slow healer. We know Ty, uh, Tyree Kill expected to return this week. But ultimately, if they play it cautious and they've said they're not going to put him out of the field until he's legitimately 100%, it could be another week of the Pringles show. Who knows what happened with, you know... Demarcus Robinson and McCole Hardman, those, those cute wide receivers who were killing it for so long. Now it's the Pringle show, apparently, and this guy, Byron Pringle, crushed it all preseason. Tons of reports that he was going to be that number three guy, and we hadn't seen him yet. I'm not sure if he was banged up and just missing time, and now just decided to, to be active. I have no idea where or why he's just emerging now, but we've seen praise about him before. It's not like he's just a complete nobody uh, you know, anybody attached to Mahomes, especially if Watkins and Tyree Kill miss time next week in a shootout game against Houston, who's given up tons of points to wide receivers. Check for Pringle. He's 1% owned right now. I don't think you have to spend a ton to get him. And just an interesting streamer if you have some wide receiver buys going on. And one last wide receiver stream for the week would be Jacoby Myers of the Patriots. Hasn't really shown a ton yet this year, but was a preseason darling, had touchdowns in almost every single game, was the, Tom Brady's favorite target all throughout camp. And then, you know, a bunch of weapons. Gordon comes back. Edelman gets healthy. Um, Antonio Brown decided to make an appearance in Foxborough. But at this point, Philip Dorsett's banged up. Edelman's a little bit dinged up, too. Uh, And Jacoby Myers could be looking at an every-down roll against the pathetic Giants. We saw Thielen just killing these guys out of the slot. That's where Jacoby Myers is going to spend a lot of his time, him and Edelman motioning in and out. Uh, Could be a great week to stream him. Thursday Night Football, the short week, always a risk but ultimately, if you're completely desperate, this guy is only 1% owned. He's got the matchup. He could see the volume from obviously one of the the greatest to ever play the game in Tom Brady. Uh, ultimately, you know, maybe all the stars are aligning for a decent Jacoby Myers day. Again, if you're desperate at wide receiver, give him a stab there. Other questions here. Sell or keep OBJ? Again, I always tend to side on talent here. And I think OBJ still has it. The usage just hasn't. Quite aligned, and I think he's gonna get it right. The schedule isn't great, though. I will say, you know, as compared to Hopkins and Julio, who seem to have some nice, clear days coming moving forward. I don't know if OBJ's schedule is quite as rosy in the near future. Still, though, that guy is a freak talent. I don't think they've fully unleashed. You know, Todd Bunkin. At some point, I think he's going to get more and more influence on this offense. And we saw that air raid style offense lead the league in passing yards with the Bucks last year. I really think between Baker, uh, Odell, I think that offense hasn't shown its best yet. There's been some growing pains with these new coaching staff. Uh, it just seems to be some ego battles going on. I really do think the Browns do turn that offense around at some point, and obviously OBJ will be a huge part of that. So, Austin, I'm about keeping OBJ if I own him, and I'd be trying to buy low if I didn't. Duckworth, Everett has been getting peppered. Yes, he has. Great observation, sir. Uh, Jeremiah Moore, is it too much to have both Robbie Anderson and Herndon, or would you rather have Everett with Anderson? Uh, out of the two you know it is tough to load up on two too many jets especially if you're starting all those guys uh, but I do really like them both I don't know can you get both guys into it and just see who starts to pan out I don't know if you have the roster space to do them both I guess if it's between one or the other especially if I already had some jets on my team I'd lean everett. But again, Herndon looked great as a rookie, and as often, you know, rookie tight ends almost never pan out. So I wouldn't be shocked to see this guy make the next jump up. Charles Robinson, I meant to say during my Herndon segment, talked about how based on observing practice in camp, he thought uh, that Herndon would be the next guy to make that elite jump. Uh, So ultimately, uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see it. Just look at his athletic profile. Freakish athleticism between 74th and 93rd percentile across the board. I assume you're talking about Everett, uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan there. Okay, this is where I'm at. Wide receiver depth is ass. Yeah, it's a tough position this year, uh, and it was not the year to spend first-rounders on wide receivers. You know I'm always about those workhorses, and that's the play this year. Duckworth, I'd be looking to sell the value is good. OJ, OBJ is projected facing a fairly daunting SOS. I like the vocab here, duck. Uh, I think 23rd best off the top of my head. Beckham, when playing well, is unguardable, but if you can sell for really good value, it would not be a bad idea. Eh, I, I disagree. I really think you got to be buying low. Pringle game from a potato chip can. Uh, preferably sour cream and onion. Nice. What about Mohamed Sanu? Should I drop MVS for him? I originally drafted Sanu, says Robert, but dropped him for McCole Hardman. MVS just doesn't seem to be getting it going with Rodgers. Looking at depth, not a move I absolutely need to make. I don't love MVS. I'm fine with you cutting him. And Sanu has been balling another touchdown this week. Uh, You know, just a consistent, steady stream. He's the definition of unexciting, but reliable. So for bye weeks when you need a little bit of depth and you know you want, you know, seven or eight points from your wide receiver three, I don't hate him, Robert. I think that's a nice name to toss out there, Mohamed Sanu. And ultimately, you know, MVS, yeah, he's going to have like two to three more just monster games, and you're going to be like, what the fuck, why did I cut this guy? But are you ever going to actually put him in your lineup? Because there's been so many duds. This offense is so much more run-heavy than ever before, as we talked about with Aaron Jones. And when it's working as well as it is, why would they move away from that? Granted, yes, that, that running game will open up the play action when Adams comes back and MVS has later coverage. There's still some upside there. But if you're looking for something more reliable for your bye weeks, then I would go with uh, Sanu. Now, if you're just looking for an upside stash who has more of a ceiling, I think MBS could get it going at a much higher clip. But again, it really kind of depends on your team needs and what you uh, what you want there. Tunenberg saying, I have Nikhil Harry in my IR spot. Is that a good choice? Is there someone else on IR that you see coming back strong in a couple weeks? The IR is kind of trashed right now, Toons. There's really only a, you know, there's there's Harry, there's like Darius Geis. Not a big fan of him at all. Uh, so yeah, I think Harry's a decent choice just to see what's happening with those Patriots wide receivers. Thoughts on Auden Tate. Another guy, he, he just missed the cut of making the menu, so a good name to bring up, Austin. A touchdown this week, and actually we're going to get to injuries right now, uh, and ultimately, where is it? Injuries. You see A.J. Green, he's already been ruled out for week six, so against Baltimore, uh, you know, a pretty low-key giving up the 10th most points to wide receivers here. Auden Tate could keep it rolling. A big body, six foot five, two 230 pounds, clearly was a, an option in the red zone. I just don't want to put overly too much faith into anything tied to the red fucking useless, I, I, what's the opposite of a rifle, just pathetic, whatever this guy's arm is. Dalton sucks. The offense sucks. The line is even worse. He's just going to get sacked more times than he's not. So you know, do you really want that much of a piece of it again? It's a shitty team, kind of like that Miami syndrome. They're playing from behind constantly. So sure, you know, maybe they get it together uh, and just get some garbage time. That's exactly when he scored this week. I wouldn't be having overly huge expectations for Auden Tate, despite the size, despite the the game script going to be in his favor. I just don't love it. O.J. Howard oils to catch a cold this season. Uh, Oh, couldn't catch a cold. Yeah, he's horrible. He's not going to see any volume, just pathetic stuff. I know the best quality. Thanks for that spam, Epom. Much appreciated. We're all going to be there. Uh, we'll, We'll make sure to visit you. Good stuff. Ben Lawler, shout out to the hero behind the camera, putting out his own fantasy flame since 2006, Def- definitely had some fantasy flames, but I don't know if you've been looking at the Fez lately, Ben, 150 last week, 180 this week, the fucking wolf is back, baby, I'm going to be feasting on all of you the rest of the year, thank you, Jimmy, though, I appreciate you having my backup, alright, keep the comments coming, keep the shit talk coming, keep the questions coming, I love it all, but let's get to some injuries here. You see at the top there, David Johnson, he battled a back injury throughout Sunday's Week 5 win, and now Cl- Cliff Kingsbury saying he, uh, he's going to have to be monitored all week. He's not guaranteeing that he's going to play against the Falcons at this point. Uh, the back apparently locked up on him. That sounds horrible. Sounds painful. And as we mentioned earlier with Chase Edmonds, Johnson was able to come back in, was able to fight through it, but that could be the result of adrenaline, and you know, in the middle of the game, it's easier to fight through those things when the rest of the week, you have the back just continuing to stiff up on you it makes it a lot trickier so that's definitely something to monitor this week the matchup is of course great against Atlanta who give up tons of receptions to running backs Uh, but at this point if you're a David Johnson owner you have to have Chase Edmonds a crucial handcuff you should have learned your lesson uh, when he had the wrist injury and you never knew what's going to happen there. I unfortunately didn't, and, and now Edmonds not available in my league, so I'm going to be fucking kicking myself if David Johnson misses time here. Uh, but ultimately, if you own David Johnson, Edmonds is only 3% owned. Make sure you go out and get that guy and just lock up that backfield because the role is so valuable. Johnson himself is great, and that's why he's putting up such good numbers, but it's also the usage, the passing game volume, all that great stuff would apply to chase edmonds as well moving on now to aj green first of all i already ruled out for this week as we talked about with Auden tate so that sucks but what is a sneaky little intriguing nugget that a lot of people might have missed is according to jason lock and forma aj green uh would be willing the, the Bengals would be willing to move him for a first round pick uh if and teams are willing to offer that if the Bengals make him available and why at this point would the Bengals not make him available? He's kind of, you know, more to the grapevine is he has told the team he's not going to be signing an extension. And this is a team clearly in rebuild mode. So if you're able to get a first rounder for him uh, for a half season rental, why would the Bengals not do it? They're definitely going to, again, be in that complete upheaval rebuild mode under Zach Taylor. Uh, and the interested teams so far that have popped up are apparently the Patriots and the and the Saints. Whew! Talk about the ideal landing spots, either with Tom Brady or Drew Brees in offenses where he's not going to be completely zoomed in on and, and taken out by the defense. That could be money. I mean, I've been, I have A.J. Green in leagues, and he's been so frustrating because he's clearly milking this injury. He's not going to come back to his 100% because he doesn't have his extension. you got to be a little baby about it. But if he gets moved into one of these elite offenses, the guy is still 6'4", with elite athleticism. He's clearly been resting to get himself fully healthy. So if... He returns to a much better offensive situation than a j green could instantly shoot up into top you know twenty top fifteen even overall potential on the right offense. so he is definitely a buy low in case his owner missed that nugget or if his owner is getting frustrated with him uh and and for everybody that owns him, you must hold AJ green in the hopes that he gets traded. Another guy getting injured this week was Brandon Cooks on Thursday Night Football. That gives him a little more time to recover, uh, but he is in concussion protocol right now. Who knows how long it's going to take for him to heal. Historically, he usually needs a week or two to get himself fully healthy, so I imagine if I was going to guess, I'm no doctor. I think Cooks misses this week, and that's great news for Gerald Everett, who is thriving in his absence on Thursday night. Josh Reynolds would suddenly become a name that you might be able to stream moving into this week. Uh, so check obviously on Brandon Cooks. Of course, Cup and Robert Woods get a little bit more volume, and ultimately though the team does tend to operate, especially Jared Goff. Uh, when they have all three wide receivers available, they just can scheme up so much better mismatches, and, and Cooks does stretch the field so well that even if it seems like it would be a positive for most guys, it might be one of those things where it, you know it's actually subtraction to them with him out being out of the lineup without him drawing some of that attention. So just keep that in mind, too. Not a clear-cut win for these guys, uh, but also could just mean good volume spikes for them all. Uh, And then last but not least, and this one's going to cover like eight players because who knows what the hell's happening over in the Meadowlands, the Giants. Tons of injuries to make note of. Uh, So get your questions in. I see I got a few more left here to answer, but if you have any more, it's going to become the mailbag very soon. Uh, The first name to obviously cover the Giants Uh, The only guy that really truly matters in life there is Saquon Barkley. And there's, quote-unquote, a possibility Barkley can play on Thursday night against the Pats. He was listed as limited in Monday practice. Now, we need to make note that They didn't actually practice on Monday, but because it's the Thursday night game, they have to give out a report of what they think would happen. So they're already projecting this guy to be a limited participant in practice this week. And he's been, you know, apparently was running at full speed last week and is is just superhuman in this recovery. So, of course, if he plays, he's right back in that high-end RB1 role. It's going to be against the Patriots, though, and they've given up the fewest points to running backs at this point, and then if all these other guys we're about to cover right now are out and the defense can just completely key on Saquon Barkley, that's not going to be a good look for this guy. I think this would be a week he ends up suffering. I actually kind of hope, if even if I own the guy, they rest him one more week and let him not face the teeth of this ferocious Patriots defense, especially with all these injuries around him. Uh, let's not throw him to the wolves and let him get hurt and re-aggravated. Let's let him get fully, fully healthy. Uh, that's what I hope the Giants do at least especially because guys like Evan Ingram dealing with a knee injury he would have been listed as a did not practice today Uh, there's no real word yet what it is you know it obviously isn't a torn anything because he'd be going for MRIs and whatnot but a, a bruise or a sprain of some sort could definitely hold him out Uh, So we'll see what that ends up being. The Patriots have given up the fewest points to tight ends just as they have the running backs. So Ingram wouldn't be in a great spot anyways, but maybe a nice spot to rest him. And that's also with Sterling Shepard and Saquon's uh, backup Wayne Gallman, both concussed. And Sterling Shepard's even more of a concern because this is his second concussion of the year. Uh, they're reporting out in New York that they think he's going to be out for a little while. Uh, that means at least this week for the Thursday night game, but it could also mean another week. You have to be very careful with multiple concussions in a season. That gives Golden Tate and then Gallman again out. If him and Saquon sit, that's going to end up being the Elijah Penny show, which is nothing anyone should ever want a part of. But uh, ultimately... I don't expect Gallman to be playing on that short week on Thursday night. And I don't think Saquon, I mean, you never know, but if all these other guys are hurt, I, I imagine they don't end up throwing the Wolves. But who will be out there is Golden Tate and no other weapons around him. He played 45 of their 68 snaps, which is right under 70%. Uh, but the big note there was almost all of them came out of the slot. 29 of his 32 routes, 90% of those routes coming from the slot. And that's where Sterling Shepard, right around 80% of his routes were coming from the slot before Golden Tate got there, but now he clearly is dominating that role. And Golden Tate's just a natural-born slot receiver, and that's role in Pat Shermer's offense. We've seen it with Adam Thielen a couple years ago. Shepard had some blow-up games last year. It's always been a high-volume role out of the slot. So the fact that Golden Tate owns that, he didn't have a great debut, nothing you know to write home about, but ultimately with all these weapons around him getting hurt, with him just dominating out of that role, I could see him being that clear-cut number one guy For this matchup against the Patriots and then also potentially moving forward for the rest of the season. So check in on that. Alrighty guys, that's all I have. Let's get to your questions and then we'll we'll sign off here. Austin asking, have Kirk and Tyrell Williams think we'll be healthy and back this week using Auden to fill in now? Yeah, decent fill in, decent uh, replacement plan there. No doubt about it. I think at least one of Kirk and Tyrell will be back, and they both have good matchups. I heard the Pats want Eifert and Green. I mean, what about that tunes? That'd be unbelievable. Uh, both weapons would fit in here perfectly, especially. I mean, you think about Eifert. We have no tight end of note. He's a nothing right now with the Bengals. Why wouldn't they ship, uh, you know, them and get some picks off the Patriots? And the Patriots, it makes too much sense too. So hopefully that one does line up. At least AJ Green, if not Green and Eifert, would be unbelievable. Alrighty, guys. That's all we got here. I hope you enjoyed this recap episode. Uh, Monday Market Report every Monday right at 7 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to go live and recap the week with all the risers, fallers, waiver wire, and injuries. Uh, So if you're listening to the podcast, Fantasy Fullback Dive, where we paved the path to 2019 titles, and you want to be part of the live interaction, come on over to Facebook on Mondays at that time uh, and get into the live show. And then on Tuesdays, I always do my live rankings rundown where you can be part of my rankings process. Get your early set start questions in more waiver questions if you have them. Uh, we love doing these live broadcasts because we get to interact with you guys. You guys get to interact with each other. Uh, that's why we're going kind of all in on these Facebook lives. They've been great for us and we want to keep doing them. Uh, so thanks again so much for tuning in. You can find me at Roto Street Wolf. You can find our app, Roto Street Journal, in the app store, rotostreetjournal.com where we feed and breed Fantasy Wolves is the home base for all of this good stuff. Uh, but that's it. That's all I got for you guys tonight. So The Wolf is out. We used to have it all But now's our curtain call So hold for the applause Oh, 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 oh And wave out to the crowd And take our final bow least we stole the show, least we stole the show Straight ahead, Devlin, second effort, third effort, touchdown, oh! That's pretty awesome. That's old fashioned football right there folks.